0: Music so much.
1: Well, they, you should miss it a lot because we haven't done this in like two years, right?
0: Almost two years, yeah. Almost
1: two years. Wow, it's been a long time.
0: Yeah, it has been. A lot of things have happened in the in the past eighteen months or so.
1: Oh my gosh, two years! Wow, it's, it's a long time. time. I know. Long time to not be doing
0: something. <laughs> <laughs> but doesn't mean that we didn't love it and it doesn't mean that it wasn't really important, the kind of work that we were doing on this podcast. I was struck not too um many days ago that I was in an Uber and I was telling the driver about the new 20 is plenty law that was just passed in city council and my driver didn't know anything about it. And I think, you know, that's what really, you know, encouraged us to do the podcast in the beginning was... There's lots of information about the um, laws that city government is passing on people, and it affects their pay- their pocketbooks or their businesses, and they have no idea.
1: So wait, you, you said that you had an Uber driver who didn't know that the speed limit now on residential streets is 20 miles an hour. Yeah. All right. So, but the the city requires drivers, I think, to take a test on what tourist destinations there are in the city of Portland. But some other another. Uh, but they don't send out notice to Uber drivers or make Uber and Lyft send out notices to their drivers about the change in the speed limits. It, it would seem like it's one of those things that that the the companies themselves would say, hey, guys, guess what happens today? Today you got to start driving slower through residential areas.
0: Right. And you know what that
1: means? You'll make more money.
0: <laughs> no, they don't make it on time. They make it on trips. They
1: sure do. It's a combination of time and trips.
0: Estimated time. But if they end up going a long way you know, for some reason to avoid traffic, they don't actually make more money. It's not based so on mileage. They,
1: they still get, if they're stuck in traffic, like in congestion, right. like in a gridlock, Mm-mm. they don't get paid for that? No. Are you sure?
0: I am. I'm actually pretty sure because if you um call up the app and they quote you $10 for the ride, it's never ten oh five. Right, really? And it actually makes sense for the drivers, if they're very familiar with the roads, to not follow their GPS, because they're not required to follow their GPS. So if they know there's construction or something, they can go around the construction. They get to choose the path that they go on. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's, so it's a flat fee once you, they've agreed. Now the fee changes, so I can, you know, I can go downtown from my house and, you know, pay $7 one day and $10, you know, an hour and a half later if it's, you know, if it's surge pricing, but um it doesn't, it doesn't change once that once i've accepted the amount that it's going to charge me which is you know a lot of the reason why people like it over taxi cabs when i get into a cab i don't know how much it's going to cost me to go downtown you know unless i do it frequently because it's a rate that doesn't change but but on an uber or a lyft once i make that that sort of contractual agreement that I want to spend $7 or $10 it's worth it to me then it doesn't change when I get there it's the it's the rate yeah I'm pretty sure that's right
1: But anyway, I've been been
0: surprised a few times, but I'm not surprised that the driver doesn't know about 20 is plenty, which, you know, which is basically have we explained that it's, it's the law that was just recently the regulation that just went through that makes all residential streets, 20 mile an hour zones. So basically one big school zone for the entire city. Um, But that it was passed on an emergency clause, which means it went into effect immediately, and immediately the Bureau of Transportation started changing the signs out, and they haven't quite completed that $800,000 um, project. But it it is one of those things that seems increasingly common with city council is that everything's an emergency. Like, why did we have to have 20 miles an hour overnight? Why couldn't it have been a rollout?
1: Well, everything's an emergency, even in, in Salem. Almost everything now is passed with an emergency clause. Um, you well remember that the, the tenant relocation payments were passed with an emergency clause.
0: Yeah. like Like, no chance for people to really weigh in and understand that it was going down and then no you know no chance to kind of adjust to it like for example for the the relocation fees it seems like it would it would take some time to maybe stockpile some of the money like save some money in case you need it you know even a couple months would have given landlords some some ideas to uh, i suspect that they had used that as an emergency so landlords couldn't um evict people before it went into effect
1: right and again, landlords were kind of shocked by that. They didn't know, kind of like the driver didn't know about the 20 is plenty. A lot of landlords didn't know about the relocation.
0: Yeah, it's true. And it, you know, tenants know, but I, I, I don't, I don't understand in the, in the realm of technology and the fact that not everyone gets their news from the Oregonian or one of the local stations anymore, why there isn't a better way for people to under, to, to know what our government is doing. So.
1: Well, because there's so much that they are doing. And then, you know, you have to keep, you know, look at the city council meets, what, twice a week, you know, for almost two full days. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on. You know, I always wonder what, what is city, what is city hall doing? So what requires them to spend roughly what, 40% of their week in legislative hearings as city council. I mean, that's a lot of work. And remember, each of those city commissioners is also a, a chief executive of one or more bureaus. Yeah. So they should be actually spending time running a bureau. You know, what, maybe we need to have less, fewer, uh, city council meetings.
0: Or more city council members. No, I think that they, they work hard. They do a lot. I have a lot of respect for them. They have to meet well, with their Well, cons-
1: working, working hard and there's working smart.
0: No, they meet, they do a lot. They meet with their constituents. They have their bureaus. They well, I'm have- talking about
1: the actual city council
0: meeting. The meeting? You've been yeah, to meetings. Well- the meetings are long and, and packed. A lot of testimony, a lot of dog and pony. You gotta get, you know, the chance for the bureau heads to come out and, you know, talk about their, their, uh, programs or whatever they're doing.
1: Yeah, let's see, like, uh, what do we have here on the current agenda for this past week? Uh, aside from, uh, the cranks who are addressing city council, uh because
0: I they love those people.
1: Okay. We got a report on gang enforcement. Okay, that's a good one. That's uh-huh. important. Uh we have to uh oh here's a big one, real important. Reappoint someone to the noise review board. Um we uh oh there's two and a half million dollars in grants that we are accepting and appropriating. Oh, we have to pay the bodily injury claim of uh someone for fifty thousand dollars involving the Portland Water Bureau. Huh. Wonder what that was you know <laughs> all these things that require city council approval right. um are you, you su-
0: are you suggesting less transparency? I can't imagine you're saying that we should not have due process
1: oh, I'm just saying that maybe uh the the government that does less that can actually do more, you know that maybe we don't need to have them. Do a bunch of this stuff. I'm trying to see what's going on here.
0: All of those things. I want them to be done in public and I want them to be done with reporters sitting in the, in the council chambers. I want the ability to all those people who address council every council morning, no matter what their strange and wonderful topic is, to have that opportunity. Well, they
1: did meet on Thursday. They did not meet on Thursday because they didn't have an agenda. So that's good. See, that means that they can actually be doing some of the stuff that they need to be
0: doing. They work really hard, Eric, and I don't think government is too big on the local level. I do worry about their choices they're making. For example, recently they passed the $94 million improvement plan for the Washington Park Rose Garden area. And which is, you know, great. It's, it's aging and it needs some help, but $94 million that's not going into a shelter. So, you know, for the homeless and I, and I really think that if you're declaring an emergency that you should take it seriously. And if we have a housing and homelessness emergency, then we shouldn't be distracted by $94 million of prettier rose gardens.
1: Well, that's true. Well, and then I think about also this, this Vision Zero, of the 20s, 20 thing, uh, they spent, what was it, $300,000 on a new, um, a, on an ad campaign.
0: That was $300,000 for that ad? Yeah. Or something oh, like
1: man. that.
0: Oh man.
1: Yeah. So how many homeless will that house?
0: 300000 plus the 800000 to change the signs. Right? Yes.
1: And, well, changing the signs is okay. I mean, that, that has to, be. was it 800, 800. or 80
0: 800
1: Oh, that's
0: a lot. We have a big city. We have a lot of square footage. It's not but $300, just...
1: But $300,000 to make a video that, that tells people to go slow. Right. Um. Yeah, so that's just kind of phenomenal.
0: I'd like to someday take a look at the budgets of each bureau because I was looking at the number of advisory boards that each bureau has. And oh, P- you saw
1: that too. Yeah,
0: Peabot has. Phenomenal.
1: And people doesn't even know, like 40% of them, they couldn't even name them. <laughs>
0: That was so, I guess that's where the fodder for the right government is too big, but those are like the advisory boards are unpaid. But well,
1: I'm well, considering it's usually the same 10 people who are on every single advisory board. Those people must be busy 24-7 advising.
0: Right. right, and it, it does it does skew to people who are retired or well,
1: you know. and I I always laugh at the three the, the same three business people that seem to always end up on the on any advisory board that involves business, right? right? You always got the Paloma Clothing guy, you've mm-hmm. got the sometimes the Hawthorne Auto guy, and then you also have uh, the game game shop on Foster. Yeah, those guys are. It's so it's just the rotating cast of business characters who seem to be able to speak for all business in the city of Portland or well, all small business. I think the they get
0: invited and I think that they, you know, have shown themselves to be, you know, showing up, showing up and, and well, they do more
1: than show up. They show up and say, yes,
0: yeah, I was going to say, you that, know, then. that's
1: right. right. You know, they, they show up and, and they say, Oh, whatever uh, the mayor wants to do is a really good idea. And, you know, my only complaint is that you're not doing more of it. Um, <laughs> That's you know, not always true in every case,
0: but yes, but it, but it. So the process, the process itself, with and I'll make my argument again: the process itself with needing more technology to make sure that people know what their city council is doing and can be on those boards or can, you know, go down and testify. I mean, this the whole podcast started because of Tuesday memo, which is, and I was telling the story to someone just recently, which is another reason why I wanted to, to start up the podcast again. So when we were doing our activism in the, a couple years ago, and we would show up for what was, you know, our time on the agenda of city council, and we'd find out that it had been changed, and we didn't know that something had been pulled from the agenda, you know, late in the week. And it wasn't until a reporter from the Tribune came up to me and said, hey, don't you know about Tuesday Memo? And I'm like, what's Tuesday Memo? And, you know, because we've been addressing council for several months at this point and complaining that we never knew when the agenda was being switched. And he says... He says, Oh, it's this email list that they send out all the changes to the agenda on Tuesdays before council meets on Wednesday. But you have to know about it and contact the count, the city clerk to be added to this semi secret mailing list. Well, it's not,
1: yeah, that's the thing is how do you care for it? It's not secret because anyone could get on the mailing list.
0: Right. But it you have to public. know about it,
1: but it's just not, um, it's
0: word of mouth.
1: It's not promoted. Right. Um, and it's funny because you know I just I'm I'm looking at my computer right now and I see the city council agenda. It seems like it'd be really easy to just post on Tuesday afternoon. That that update. <laughs> uh, it it, just it all seems of
0: my mind. obvious, right? It seems obvious, and yet it's one of those things that you that that hasn't been done, and and it is stunning to me, and so and so. For I guess we should be grateful that it's not posted because from that Tuesday dot com where we post our podcasts or you can always download them from iTunes now that we're up and running again. But until until we realized that this very obvious thing wasn't being done, you know, we were in the dark about counsel and and now we're not because I get it in my inbox every Tuesday. So so here we are Tuesday memo.
1: Yeah, so for example, very like in the last Tuesday memo, um there was uh there are three agenda items where there are revised amendments. Mm-hmm. Uh if someone's interested in those items, it would be nice to know what those amendments were because you could have been preparing testimony or an analysis mm-hmm. uh, based on something else.
0: Right. So, so here we, so coupled out with the fact that most people don't know what's going on unless it's reported widely and oftentimes it's not. And even if it is, you might not be paying attention, um, because your lives are busy. And then two, if you wanted to go speak to something, you wouldn't know that it's been changed. You know, I can think of, as, as you know, several issues that I know people are working on actively. You know, do they know that they might show up and it's been pulled from the agenda?
1: Exactly. Hey, that, you reminded me of something that's going to completely change the subject. I think when we were, when we last were doing this podcast about two years ago, you started getting a bee in your bonnet about, uh, the Chinese not taking organs recycling anymore. (gasps) And I know why you just took that big breath because, because. Because.
0: Because why are we changing the subject to this? But yes, I still have a bee in my bonnet about it. So, and why do you have a
1: bigger
0: So one of my things is that we should be really honest and transparent about the efficacy of programs, and as I got into the fact, so so just to back up. We throw all of our stuff into the blue barrel for recycling. It goes off to get sorted, and it used to get shipped off to China to be recycled. And we all thought we were doing such a great job saving the environment doing so. But it turns out that there's so much attendant pollution problems that go with recycling, that it's not as great as it was. Not to mention that we were shipping things with a huge carbon footprint across the ocean to China so that they could pollute their environment by recycling. Um, So they're not taking it anymore. does not shock or surprise me. There's not much market for recycled products anyway. And so I've been thinking a lot about how we've been sort of sold this bill of goods, thinking that we're doing great for the environment by recycling. And, you know, for example, the top polluter in Washington state is a recycling plant. So is the second top polluter and the third. So <laughs> if recycling's so great, why are we ruining the environment doing it? Better is to reduce and reuse. Oh, I thought
1: you were going to go in a dir- different direction, oh. and that was that Portland City Council just voted to raise our garbage rates by <gasps> so ten percent because because we can't recycle the stuff that we put in recycling. Uh,
0: see, no, I didn't know that, so I would have a oh, shock. Oh, you didn't on know my, that. I, I had a shock to in my milk. Tuesday memo. <laughs> so, okay, so I get it. I don't necessarily read it every single week. <laughs> no, <laughs> which is why uh, which is why kind of I want great to listen team to things.
1: It. It's for most people. It's about thirty or, or about three dollars a week increase mm-hmm. um really so three
0: dollars a week
1: Maybe three dollars a month um
0: but still more than for because is nothing is so why am i still separating things into my recycling
1: why is anyone right i, I mean that's that is probably one of the, 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 the as far as i know that sounds like it, it's probably one of the biggest um Charades that goes out there. You know, you you spend this time separating your stuff into the green barrel mm-hmm. and the brown barrel and the blue barrel, and the blue barrel gets recycled. Well, now it's looking more and more that that blue barrel is going into the landfill with the garbage. Is so you're the right, entire basically.
0: thing. So is the entire thing going into the landfill? Are they sorting? Is anything That's being? A good question. Will you put that. Make a note of that. Let's talk about that maybe next. Week. Make a note of it. I'm not
1: a secretary. <laughs> I don't assume my gender.
0: <laughs> so, so, we should look into the the question whether anything is getting. Residual. So here
1: we go. Well, since you're, you're you're tooting your horn on the Tuesday memo, here it is: nine forty five a.m. They didn't pass it. Nine forty five a.m. April eighteenth, City Council will be taking up the residential garbage rate review.
0: So do they so the the question is have they already taken testimony I would love to see those agendas rewritten as well to really help people know when this is when we're taking testimony this is because it It's fine if you know the system, but if you don't, it's very confusing to know whether it's okay to come and talk about this issue, how much time you might have. I know they have some guidelines, but when you're looking at the agenda itself, I sometimes have a hard time like, is that when I testify or is it the second time before the vote? Oh, yeah. Well, and that's the
1: other thing, too, is they have two hearings on it, and a lot of times people think the second hearing is the time to take... to give more testimony, and that's usually not the case. Right.
0: Um, but sometimes and the
1: problem is, you know, that, that it just takes a lot of time to to get involved. It uh, does. I mean, you have to be really passionate about a a, a topic. And even uh, when I, you
0: do, you you often end up losing to whatever interests you know, have going, you can fight, you know, there, you see that in the shelters, you know, there's shelters popping up in, in different parts of the city, which are not always well thought out by the joint office of joint homeless services, they're trying to just put them up wherever they can find space. And sometimes the impact on the neighborhood is going to be extremely detrimental. For example, putting a no barrier shelter next to a school could be an issue and neighbors are speaking out about it. Um, but they are treated as if their opinions don't matter and that they somehow must be NIMBY just because they have concerns. And it's, and it's often quite disrespectful to the, you know, citizenry that is about to reelect them in some cases. Oh, yeah. So
1: what's going to happen with these city council
0: elections? Ooh, we should talk about the elections. Um, (laughs) What I want to say about the elections is it's very interesting to having gone through the process to watch it from the outside a little bit. And... See what each candidate is doing, how much money they're raising, where their money is coming from, and understanding that for each dollar that they are are getting, they will you know have made many phone calls and knocked on a lot of doors for that. Um, the primary is coming up in May right now we are full on forum season, so if you check your local neighborhood association um, or interest group, you may find that they are hosting a forum for the candidates to come and speak to you directly um always a fun time oftentimes you can ask them questions as well
1: well and see that's what it gets me we are now 39 days away until the election and it's just kind of shocking how little we've heard about anything uh since we're focusing on the city it, in the city council races i mean we kind of know who's running, we know that uh some people said some nasty thing to someone else, but that's about it, right? Um, you know, there's, there's really no one running against uh, Nick Fish um well there there
0: are there are people running and and i'm going to to be a big fan of small candidates right now because i once was one um they get to change the conversation a little bit you know everyone should have someone running against them and they do except for i don't really know who's running against deborah kofori for uh, Multnomah county chair um or is Is she up for election
1: she may only she is is she
0: is she no I might, I might be wrong on that one because I haven't heard anything about that race. So it's quite possible it's not this year. <laughs> but,
1: yeah. Well, you know, I'm thinking like city council. I mean, right. you know, there's probably what seven or eight people running for Dan Saltzman's seat. And
0: um, um, there's five people running for Dan Saltzman's seat. There are two people running for Nick Fish's seat. Um, which is, I'd like to actually make a little side note here. So just recently, uh, Amanda Fritz commissioner, it was able to get, her pet project passed, which is publicly funded elections. So the city of Portland now again, once again, has publicly funded elections, a little different than the last time that we had them and it failed so miserably. The difference isn't in sort of the protections from keeping people from squandering the money or using it for hate speech, which would be some interesting you know, parameters to put on that program, but instead it is shifted. So now if you raise $50, um, from an electorate and, and promise not to take corporate or big money, big donations that the city will match you six to one. So the city, city is going to spend a couple million dollars next election cycle. It's not, it's not this one. Um, Funding small-time candidates or large, depending on how they choose to to raise money. Um, so, in in the hopes that everyone will have a fair shot by having a you know some money. You
1: think it'll do anything? What? Do you think it
0: will do any good? I am not a fan of publicly funded elections. And I know that is a horrible thing to say in this town because there are so many people who really hope that it would change the conversation. But I, again, as much as I feel like we shouldn't be wasting, excuse me, spending money on on things that we like when we have things that we need. So as long as there are people in the thousands sleeping on our streets. I have a hard time prioritizing the speech of small candidates or any candidates. And I feel that it it leads itself to another opportunity that we would be funding someone like Trump on a small local level. And I really don't want my tax dollars to go towards hate speech. But you can't determine the The caliber of candidate as long as they follow the rules to be funded so I have a hard time with that I I personally were I running would not be taking that money because I feel yeah I think it
1: would be fun or funny to see if some really radical alt-right person decided to run for city council and take that money and then see how excited people like Amanda Fritz are about using taxpayer dollars to fund a bunch of Pepe the frog means
0: well there's there's other attending problems with that program in addition to that, for example, if you are an incumbent, every dollar you raise goes a lot further because you already have. The attention of the press and you can create stories by creating policy. And so and you already have your lawn signs in your basement and your and your team is ready to go. And so if you're a small candidate and you get 50, well, it'd be like $300 from the from the city. That's great, but it doesn't go as far as Amanda Fritz getting $300, and she's run, you know, many times in the past and doesn't have to pay a graphic artist for her new lawn signs or something. She can use that for a mailer. So, you know, every time you run and win, you've got more resources sort of in the bank, quote unquote, and your $50 can go to... To more influence. And and it's that kind of nuance that I don't think that was well thought through in Amanda's enthusiasm, because she was elected to her position the first time through publicly funded elections. So, Yeah, she was the only
1: one who wasn't a scammer or a crank.
0: Right. right and other people were and the city, the people of portland voted it down we no long, you know didn't have it for a long time because it was abused i don't see how this is going to be better i do well, think cuz we're going to have
1: an oversight committee
0: so I do think though, this is a good indicator. The way it's set up is that the, the city auditor refused to take it into their office because it is unmanageable. <laughs> and so, um, Amanda Fritz got counsel to agree that it would be placed with one of the commissioners on a rotating basis and to keep from the appearance of, um, any kind of, of political naughtiness. She's, she said, well, You can't have you can't have an oversight of the program if you're going to run within the next two years and then and then immediately asked it to be placed in her in under her jurisdiction while she gets it set up. She's up for re-election in two and a half years. So if she has this in November, she won't be able to run for re-election using it. She may choose not to use the money and will fund in some other way. I believe, is that the case?
1: Yeah, I don't know how it's. I'd have to look into that because uh, she's notorious for hating to do fundraising. Right. So the the expectation was, was that she was going to be Doing this, but I think even if she even if she doesn't take the money, she shouldn't be in charge of that program because in that way she would be um, overseeing people who are potentially running against her.
0: Right. So either this them. either this means that she can't that she can't run that she's signaling that she's not running next year, which I think people are overlooking, or. It's going to be a crisis because she will be monitoring the money that is, and, and with, with a lot of inside knowledge and detailed knowledge about her competitors. So, what but the to other thing
1: too is that we, we know that she has an inability or challenges in running just about any bureau or any project <laughs> that she undertakes. So, right. it's almost, it's the point where it's, it's almost a joke. It, it's like in Harry Potter. You know, the, the, um, you know, the, the defense against the dark arts mm-hmm. teacher always changes every year. And it's kind of like, you know, why is that? Every bureau that Amanda Fritz runs eventually gets taken away from her because of mismanagement. By
0: multiple uh, mayors. Every year. Kind like
1: defense of the dark arts. Uh, <laughs> you know, she's down to what one bureau now, parks.
0: Right. Which she parks, loves. Which she is, loves it, parks. Which is
1: now, uh, threatening to close what? Selwood Community Center? Um, Woodstock Community Center and one other community center we because know that is, that's political they, they there, don't have enough money
0: there's there's no way they're going to close those they and it's
1: it, what's really funny is that the shortfall the quote unquote shortfall happens to be just about equal to the pay raises she gave to the parks employees when she unionized them, so she didn't actually do that unionization push, which she pushed very hard for um where they got where she bumped their wages up to fifteen dollars an hour, um, she wouldn't have had the shortfall she has now.
0: Yeah. So it's just
1: kind of, it, it's funny how when you hear these politicians say, oh well gee, you know, minimum wage really has no impact on on employment and budgets. Whoa, guess what? It does.
0: It does it doesn't mean that it's not the right thing in the and it's not one to one money because if the city pot is the city pot, how much how much do are are those shortfalls you know there's the two million dollars every election cycle she's going to be spending on on the free speech of other candidates so you know that could also be the money not necessarily just the minimum wage and it wasn't that they raised it to minimum wage they raised it to fifteen dollars an hour yeah right
1: yeah and uh yeah, it was no, three hundred dollar three hundred thousand dollars on a TV ad. Oh, and, by the way, that three hundred thousand dollars on TV ads for the twentieth twenty thing mm-hmm. uh, was actually paid for from marijuana tax revenues, <laughs>
0: <Is> <laughs> marijuana
1: sales. It's just funny how uh, I, I don't quite get the nexus between marijuana sales and driving fast because I usually think of people on marijuana as driving slow. <laughs> uh, it's actually
0: true. Studies show that they drive slower. But that doesn't mean they don't have accidents. So I, I, I think that's an well. We know they have accidents
1: because on the first day of, of legal rec, uh, recreational marijuana, a guy killed a girl, killed a woman in a intersection after lighting up a joint.
0: That's super sad.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. that's super sad. People should not use an and drive. Definitely. I mean, we could go in so many different directions. We're at probably a good stopping point though, if we're going to put. Uh, a couple of topics on for next week, right?
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, so we should wrap this up. Is what we you're should saying.
0: wrap it up because we okay. want people to, to not tire of our voices and hopefully they learned a couple of things this time and anything, any last words there, Eric?
1: See you next week.
0: Or hear you next week.
1: Or hear you next week. <laughs>
0: exactly. Thanks. It's All right. Awesome. Luke,
1: are we going to get some music?
0: We're going to get some music. Let's we'll see if our technical um, <laughs> director allows that. Hold on. we
1: got to get the engineer on this.
0: There we go. There we go. Talk to you later.
1: See you later. Bye-bye.